Hello, bonjour, and welcome to the Don't Waste Water podcast. I'm your host, Antoine Walter, and in today's episode, I am very honored to welcome Katia Vaziak as my guest. Katia is Chief Technical Officer of the Purification and Disinfection Business Unit at Suez WTS, as well as General Manager of Degremont Technologies in Switzerland. Katia will start by guiding us through her steps and her three lives in water and wastewater treatment, thus highlighting the number one rule to be successful in innovation, being hands-on. She will also talk about cross-sector and transversal innovation, challenging the established habits and usual ways, how important it is to fail fast and be agile, and we'll see that she will surprise us again in the rapid-fire questions with a brilliant answer when it comes to explain us her favorite project. As I won't for sure spoil this one, let's start in a jiffy right after the credits. You're listening to Don't Waste Water, the podcast that helps water professionals to improve their wastewater treatment, optimize their operation costs, and keep up with the latest market trends. This podcast is brought to you by GF Piping Systems. As a leading supplier of piping systems made of plastics and metal, GF Piping Systems is the global expert for the safe and reliable transportation of water, chemicals, and gas. For more information, visit gfps.com. So hi, Katia. Thank you for welcoming me at your home. It's a pleasant place. So let me start with the postcard. You know, I, I love to start with a postcard. And you know, there, there's this pun which says that Alsatian people usually are Belgium people who didn't make it <laughs> up to Switzerland. You're Belgium, you work in Switzerland, and we meet in Alsace. So somehow I feel that this pun is right. <laughs> Can you confirm that? Are you Alsatian now or are you still Belgium? <laughs> This is a very difficult question. Exactly. I'm uh, still Belgian. Eh? I'm drinking Belgian beer. So uh, you will discover perhaps at the end. <laughs> and uh, yes, it uh, was a real pleasure for me because I live in Alsace now for 20 years. And I had the opportunity, a great opportunity to take an international job in uh, Zurich. So I confirm that you are right with your statement. <laughs> So let me jump to, to your personality. And I think I'd like to start with, with this simple question. What's your secret sauce? The first thing I would like to say is uh, to work in wastewater, you have to be uh, full of passion. As Laurent explained already in, in the last podcast, passion is very important. Waste is smelling bad. You have a lot of disadvantage. So If you want to remain in wastewater, you have to love it. So passion is, is the secret sauce. Are there other things which might be interesting around or is it really about passion only? This is the base, the base. But then personally, I'm driven by bringing an innovative idea into reality, especially making concrete full-scale references. The starting point for me is always a win-win situation for all stakeholders. You have to become a team and the benefit should not always be financial, but it can be environmental, political. And personally, I believe you need at least three ingredients. The first for sure is creativity, mm -hmm. imagination. But the second, we forget too much, 
is being hands-on. Once you have the ID, you need the right people to transform your ID into reality. A, a very important point on this is to make re- what I call return on experience is going on site, looking at your first innovation and then adapting it, adjusting it to improve and to make the final version. The third ingredient is an important dose of perseverance. Mm-hmm. Uh, simply already to start an innovative idea. If an innovation is accepted right away by everyone, then it means that it's not innovative enough, isn't it? So you have to challenge the established things. It should not be too simple. It must be ambitious. Exactly. That's innovation. Exactly. But uh, for sure, generally, people don't accept the idea or don't believe in the idea right away. And for this, you need perseverance to convince people that This is the right thing to do. So maybe just before digging in what you're doing today, let's have a word about your background. So where did the journey start for you? I really enjoyed my career up to now. After my PhD in wastewater, I had the the chance to start in a very creative subsidiary of Suez, called at that time France Assainissement and located in Alsace, France. I was in charge of support for municipal or industrial operators of wastewater plants. This was an important phase in my career as young engineer to build up concrete field experience and being in direct contact with customers, understanding their needs and difficulty. Very quickly, I evolved in the same company to an expert function, covering transversal support, going from design through execution to even commissioning plans. I was pushing the boundaries and proposing new solutions in water treatment. And at France Assainissement, we could react as a startup, launching innovative treatment every year. The key for success was taking time to go back and produce return on experience on these innovative premieres, essential to adjust and improve the innovations. Ten years later, I decided to join Lyonnais Deso as technical director to complete my engineering expertise in design and build with the practical know-how of operating plans. It is very interesting to understand both sides, the design as well as the operational constraints. I was in charge of whole east of France with roughly 80 wastewater treatment plants and 150 drinkwater plants, going from a few population equivalent to 1 million population equivalent. And I managed also more than 5,000 kilometers of piping network. It was a real adventure park to implement new ideas. And so one of the latest was producing biogas from waste. In 2015, no children anymore at home. So... (laughs) I decided to choose for an international 
challenge. And since then, I'm Chief Technology Officer at Purification Disinfection in Suez. You mentioned people. Uh, you have a big part of your role today, which is dedicated to managing people and to helping mm -hmm. people to succeed, to being uh, a catalyst. Can you maybe explain us? What's your role today? What's, what are you doing today? Today, I'm the Chief Technology Officer of uh, um, Purification Disinfection at Suez. Uh, this means I'm in charge of two technologies, the UV and ozone technologies. Uh, these are Suez technologies. This means uh, my teams are uh, doing the research and development of the products the ozone and UV products. And so I have roughly 32 people, I would say all around the world, because one team is based in Montreal, the second team is based in Leonia, New Jersey, and the biggest part is located near Zurich. So that's your first role, you are the Chief Technical Officer, but uh, if I recall to your, uh, your official title, you have a second role as you are also a General Manager, right? Exactly, Antoine. I'm the General Manager of the Swiss uh, subsidiary called De Grimaud Technology, located in, in Zurich. So you've been on the operator side, you've been on the technical department side, and now you're a bit in the product development side. Would you say that you've made the full circle or is it still one aspect of the industry that you would be missing? A lot of aspects, I would say. Our life will not be long enough to discover all the different uh, angles, I would say. But it's already very complementary to have design and build, to operate, to operate your own bad designs in case of, eh? and to improve them or to find solutions to the stupid decisions you made in the past. And then work now in an international challenge with product development. Product development should go quicker and at an international level. So you have to take into account regional and national different requirements. Actually, that was going to be one of my questions. You are in charge of uh, several geographies, and I'm pretty sure that the needs of the Chinese market market is not the need from the US market. So how do you deal with this aspect of having to balance between various stakeholders and various international backgrounds? The needs and requirements are not the same. The standards are not the same. So the best thing you can do is to imagine and, and design a, a basic standard and having specific options, I would say, adaptations for every region. But the this doesn't work always. So let me address the, the elephant in the room. You are the first woman I'm interviewing for that podcast. And you are a woman in charge of people, general manager, chief technical officer. And unfortunately, we're in 2020 and I still have to ask this question. Why are there so few women in this kind of roles? Yeah, this is a, an excellent uh, uh, question, I would say. I ask also uh, to myself, uh, when we see uh, at student level, at universities, uh, there are a lot of female uh, students, even often the best at university uh, degree. And then uh, you don't find them uh, back in uh, management roles later on. So what is going on in our society? Can we change this? 
So I think you are one of the actors of, of that change. Let me dig a bit in your day. What's, what's on your agenda in the day? What do you usually do when you're not interviewing with, with me? When I'm not interviewing with you, yes, then I have a lot of meetings. Why? Because I have teams all around the world from different cultures. So I have 15 different nationalities in my team. Wow. So we are speaking several languages for sure. And this needs a lot of alignment to be sure that everybody is understanding the priority of, uh, of uh, the day, I would say, and the, the goals we have to fulfill. Uh, so a lot of uh, international conferences all along uh, the day, internal as well as external. You mentioned the, the objectives. So what are the key performance indicators that you are following? What is driving you? For sure, driving me is the finalization of innovative ideas. So it's important to have what we call the innovation funnel. Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, you can imagine a lot of innovations will never see uh, the day. People say there, is, there are more than 80% of innovative ideas which are never succeed. It's important to have a funnel because only part of these innovative ideas will be successful. Actually, you offer me a very smooth transition because I think that's a good opportunity for us to dive in the big topic of today. And talking with you, for me, it was an evidence that what we have to address today is what I called innovate like a startup and deliver like a big group, which is actually what, what Suez is at the end of the day. And maybe to, to start with, I would like to, to hear from, from you, to hear your opinion. Where does innovation come from? I hear sometimes it comes from your users, from your suppliers, from the manufacturers, from partners. What's your take? What is the source of this innovation funnel you were mentioning? I would say that there are... Uh much sources of innovation. I believe it would be interesting to mention one of them because we are still in the beginning of what is called competitive intelligence, mm -hmm. where we use digital information to check or analyze some evolutions, some trends. So we try to get the pulse of the market. Exactly. We can still, for sure, do traditional market studies, but it's very sensitive whom you choose to participate to your surveys and so on. So one of the major benefits of uh, doing competitive intelligence, excuse me, is looking what is published, what is written in the papers and making statistics on everything which is available. And then cross-checking if you see trends. So you identify trends early enough so that you can implement them into your innovation funnel. But once you have this funnel... What's the next step? Is it like you have to keep them there and uh, elaborate years on what should become something one day? Or is there maybe a better route? To be fair with you, uh, it would be easy to give you a rule and then innovation would be part uh, of the daily life of everybody. There is a big part of stomach feeling, what I call stomach feeling. When I hear uh, my teams coming up with the innovative ideas, I 
cannot really explain, but uh, with my stomach, I generally feel comfortable, very comfortable, and growing energy on one or another innovative idea. So you get that first feeling, and how do you test that feeling? Do you partner with users, with maybe other players on the market? How do you make the idea come to life? There you point out a, a, a big gap because the difficulty is uh, uh, to convince the others. Like I said already uh, before, uh, when it's really innovative, people don't believe in it. So now I'm used to this, but you have to, to bridge this gap, to bridge the gap by your own perseverance, your own energy. So uh, the first road You have to go alone or with a small team. You cannot expect, expect that uh, uh, larger groups are jumping on uh, an innovative idea, believe in it and want to go and want to put money on the table. It doesn't work like this. The first part of the road, you have to do it alone or with a smaller team. Coming from this aspect of having sometimes disruptive ways to, uh, to address an idea, can it happen that you get the challenge from the internal market. For instance, the sales team needs to secure a job and you have to be on one end, the innovation leader who says, yes, I'm open for innovation, but on the other end, you have to balance risk and opportunities. How can you deal with that? Yeah, you are completely right. The sales or people are coming often with exotic demands. Eh? That's how I call <laughs> it. And, and I like them for this. I like exotic uh, demands. This is uh, innovative. We need to push the technology outside the classical boundaries. And who better than sales can do it? Uh, bringing up a concrete customer demand and uh, pushing us with an, a new point of view, a new approach. It's very, very important. You mentioned the customer demands, but I can also break a secret. I've been working with you. I've been working for you. And I recall customers saying things. And uh, to me, as a junior sales guy, I was wondering, yes, that's what they need. And you came out of that meeting and you said, no, that's not what they need. What they need is this. And you were right. So is it still your gut feeling or how do you assess that sometimes they cannot put the right words on their problems. This is exactly one of the difficulties we and challenges we have. Some people or people have needs, but they cannot put the right words on it. They are often not technical, so they don't know what is feasible or how it can be solved. So uh, being very, very close to income customers is essential. Because they know their problem, but they don't know how to solve it. Exactly. And it's like internal alignment. You have to put words on, on this and then you have to double check if this is in alignment what they feel. And then only then you can start. And what's helping you there? Is it your experience? Is it your background? Exactly, Antoine. Uh, I had the, the chance to start in a very innovative subsidiary of, of Suez in the 90s, called at that time France Assainissement, where I was in charge of support for operational municipal and industrial wastewater 
operators. So I was doing this support and it was a very strong experience to be on daily basis in contact with operators, with their own needs and their own requirements. If I recall right, uh, along this career that you had, you mentioned you started in the 90s. I'm not making you the offense <laughs> of calculating how much that, that represents, but I think you, you won four innovation awards. So, and those are pretty much linked at the various steps of your career. How can you still find these golden nuggets every time? Do you have like a receipt for that? Let me maybe help you. Let's take an example. Uh, you, 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 one of your awards was for the injection of biogas in the network, right? That was in, in Strasbourg? Exactly. How do you come with such an idea? At that time, the, the biogas was lost in, in the air. And from an environmental point of view, we have to, to look for global solutions. We should not stay everyone in our own field. We have to do cross, what I, cause, uh, what I call cross-sector innovation. We have to look what are doing the neighbors. And in uh, the energy sector, you have a lot of needs. You know, we mm -hmm. stopped <laughs> the, uh, some nuclear uh, uh, energy production. We have to find new environmental solutions. And then I said to myself, it would be good to have a great example here in Alsace, where we transform waste from wastewater in biogas and to recycle locally. So you're taking something which is a waste and you make a resource out of it. And your added value there is that you're bridging the gap, like you were saying. So you are taking these various people left and right, and you bring them together and being the catalyst, there comes the innovation. Exactly. In the first years, I did a lot of innovation myself. Now I uh, believe I'm uh, uh, behaving more as a catalyst. We need strong transversal people who can collaborate between the different expertise fields within the different sectors. Good ideas can, can come from the medical sector, can come from the energy sector, can, can come from everywhere. That leads me to something which I heard from several guests of this podcast, which mentioned that, yes, you might be innovative, but our market, the water market, the wastewater market, they are very conservative. Would you say that is a cliché or is it sadly true? No, Antoine, here I cannot uh, agree at all. <laughs> When you look at the, the, the last years, we did a lot of innovation in uh, wastewater. Exactly. Before, everybody didn't want to look at the waste. Now, everybody knows that waste is a source of energy. So in a few years, we brought already a huge public to, to this uh, new point of view. So we are in a moving industry. We just don't recall it. <laughs> exactly. Is it maybe because when I started, I mean, my first professional experience was on a wastewater treatment plant. And I, I knew some of the guys working there. They were there for 30 years and they didn't have to watch anything on the wastewater treatment plant, they knew what was happening from call it intuition or experience or whatever. And these profiles tend to disappear. 
So what's your take on the level of qualification within our industry? Did you see a change over time? Yes. Yes, for sure, there is a change. You know, you are part from the new generation. <laughs> uh, the new generation is jumping from one topic to another. They are used to do several things at the same time. So for sure, we have less technical expertise. But there are always exceptions. Huh? But the younger generation generally has more transversal knowledge. They are interested in everything. You grow up also with access to internet where you could find or double check right away the information. This was not our case. We had to learn, learn by heart, and, and then uh, we had no access to direct information. So yeah, the time is changing and people are changing and the society uh, will have to adapt. So it's a change in behavior. Maybe you don't know everything by heart, but you know how to find the information. So somehow there's a, a trade. Yes. And we have now to use this in innovation. That's the key. That's a smooth transition again. Thank you. To use that in innovation, and I think that your part of your team is part of this generation. Let, let's call it my generation. How do you make to keep that entrepreneurial uh, spirit among your team? What, what, do you have, a, again, a secret source for that or maybe a framework? What's your take? This is a very, very sensitive uh, question how we can keep these entrepreneurial employees motivated in big society as Suez. I would say the first thing is to allow them to challenge the things. There should be an open discussion. Uh, the old generation doesn't like the why question. Why I have to do? Why I have to make my bed? Why I have to? <laughs> you, you, you see? Nevertheless, we have to accept them. Eh? We have to accept to challenge them to challenge the things, the questions. The, the, the second, we have to adapt our timeline. Even in, in huge organizations as Suez, we need to be able to make rapid decisions. Why? Because we need to allow them to try and also to fail. They are curious, they are creative, they want to go quick, they have the information right away. Why they would wait months to have or weeks to have an answer, an official statement, an official decision. So uh, very important is to have rapid decisions. We need to believe in the new generation, in these new approaches. To believe in them, we have to try to understand. It's, uh, we have to change our own mind. And I would say the la last point, and this is more difficult in, in, in huge groups, it's avoid administrative uh, task who kills creativity and innovation. And to help these people to bring their ideas to fruition. So the key is agility. If I listen to you. Exactly. Exactly. We have to combine the agility of small startups where you can get the things done quickly, where you have also more hands-on people, a very important uh, point in innovation. 
Because only with an idea you are nothing. You, you need the right people to make it done. And uh, I would also say, remember Antoine, the number of innovation is inversely proportional to the number of hierarchic layers in a company. Eh? So the more flexible and flat it is, the more innovative it is. Yes. So uh, small startups lower also the cost. Mm -hmm. So these are all advantages from startups. The, the power of a big company as Suez is uh, to have huge investment capacity, to strengthen the capability to multiply the references, and also to industrialize the solutions. Sometimes I feel as a freighter, and I would like uh, to be more as a startup, as a speedboat, I would say. But we need both. And somehow, Your team and, and Suez in general is, is a good lab of being both. It's, if you have the ability to foster the agility like you have, and then you can benefit from this big echo that the big group can bring you in terms of industrialization, then you have the best of the two words. I guess that must be a daily challenge, but, but still you have the best of the two words, right? <laughs> exactly. It's a daily challenge because I'm a bit in between both. Eh? The, the huge group of, of Suez, eh? uh, we are now part of, of WTS, so reporting to, uh, to the US. And then locally having the agility of a small group company as uh, the Grimont Technology, where we are uh, 35 people. Maybe just a, a last one for, from my side to, for, for this big, uh, big dive for today. If you want people to fail fast, because that's somehow yes. what you want to yes. do, how do you learn from that failure? Do you have a process for that or do you have a trick for that to learn from the failure? Make, make sure that you don't fail twice, because that's always the, the big mistake. You, you can fail once at one thing, which is absolutely clever. But if you fail twice at the same thing, then you're doing it wrong. Not necessary, Antoine. Okay. Look in the past uh, to uh, some big uh, uh, innovations. They failed more than, than, than once. And I, I don't call it necessarily a failure. Uh, that's what, what I call return of um, experience. Mm -hmm. It can be adjustment, improvements to have the final version of what will be a breakthrough. If I recall the story of, of the company, uh, Ozone Company at the beginning, they were working on, on high voltage lines and uh, they discovered that around high voltage, there was this smelly gas and this smelly gas happened to be ozone and they had nothing to do with ozone generators, but still they ended up producing ozone generators just because they found out that there's some value in this, in this waste. So I, I like the metaphor somehow. Uh, <laughs> It, uh, it's the story uh, yeah. we are telling since the beginning of this interview, right? Exactly. <laughs> And we find the, the benefits of doing cross-sector innovation. And that's a very good summary. If you're uh, right, Katia, I would like to, to transition to the, the last section of this interview. So the rapid fire questions. Yes, with pleasure. It's time for the rapid fire questions. So first question, what is the most exciting project you've been working on and why? Antoine, I will probably disappoint you with uh, my <laughs> answer, but innovation is a bit like traveling. Okay. It's very exciting before you leave for the trip. Okay. 
So the most exciting remains the ones I didn't succeed yet. I will not share with you all my uh, my current and future innovation <laughs> projects, I hope. But what is important, I, I believe, to, uh, to highlight is the importance for us to do collaborative and circular projects with uh, which can have a regional or even national or international footprint. One of my, my passions is really involving local stakeholders from different origins, associations, municipalities. And if you can create local employment, it's also a plus. So I keep a lot of projects still in mind until I find the right opportunity which is popping up. An innovation has also to pop up at the right moment. Not too late, but unfortunately not too early neither. So your favorite project is still to come. That means I have to come back to interview you in a couple of years to see if this future project happened or if it's still your favorite project in your mind. So I'm, now I'm curious. I'm really curious. Yes, I hope <laughs> you will hear about this in Alsace. <laughs> What's your favorite part of your current job? Uh, the favorite part of my current job is clearly innovation in a multicultural environment. Sharing uh, the same passion, but with other approaches, understanding why people react in, uh, in a very special way, uh, discovering in your daily job the different cultures and, and traveling a bit in this uh, with them together this is uh, the most exciting what is the trend to watch for in our industry i would say we need more water awareness okay what? from everybody from you from me but we are in the water sector so mm -hmm. it's not difficult but uh, what about our neighbors what about our friends what do they know about water really so the big trend is to bring some some more awareness to the people because that's going to be the fire and the fuel of the next steps this will be the fuel for the future innovations so as you know it very well water scarcity is growing very quick everywhere and we have to rethink the, the water sector. We will have to protect and preserve water. We have to rethink the use of drinking water and adapt probably the water sources to different needs. What is the thing you care the most when you design a new product, system or solution? And what is the one you care the less? Before innovation, you know that you are alone. But when your innovation is there, and one customer has accepted it, it's important to please, to make more babies, I would say. So to succeed, you need to pay attention to everything. So there's nothing you care the less? No, uh, to succeed, you have to take into account everything. I would have said, but correct me if I'm wrong, that the thing you care the less is to go against what, what people would think. So you, you don't care about what they think today because you know that if you're right, you're going to convince them that 
uh, they are wrong. You you are right, but the problem is to get there. You cannot have an approval to design something when people are already not behind you. That's a good one. Yep, true. So let me jump to my last question. And this is going to be the most difficult for you because I know that your contact book is like the hugest contact book you can have in this industry. But would you have someone that you could recommend me to invite to that specific microphone and to this podcast? Yes, for sure. It's uh, uh, my task to to propose to you some female people for <laughs> sure. So I would like to propose a young uh, female uh, manager located in Alsace, Noémie Gesson, in charge of the agency of uh, Bichwiller. And I would also like to propose a technical director of, a municipal, of the municipality of Colmar, Sylvia Moron. And then I believe that it would be interesting to have also an, a CEO, Emmanuel Crow, in charge of OSEA. Perfect. Very good. Katia, you've been an awesome guest. It's all, always very pleasant for me to discuss with you. And uh, for the listeners, they might not recall that we discussed before. I'm sure we're going to discuss after as well, because it's like you are a source without end of, uh, <laughs> of information about yes. this market. Yes, this was one of the, the latest recommendations of uh, one of my latest managers is don't give too much ideas, limit to three ideas per, <laughs> <laughs> per meeting. It's enough. <laughs> And most of the time, three is already too much more than the people can afford. So, but it was really interesting to me. I hope it was interesting for our listeners as well. So yes, thank Antoine, you, Katia. It was great. Thank you for the honor you uh, gave me to Thank you. So Thanks for listening to Don't Waste Water. This podcast was brought to you by GF Piping Systems. Loved this episode? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. See you next time.